Perhaps there's one more thing we should look at in this paragraph 15 to 18, and I'm thinking of this word defense right here. Some indeed, Paul says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. Amazing. But others from goodwill. So he's lying in prison. The latter do it out of love. These folks who are doing it out of goodwill, they do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. So I want to think with you for a few minutes about that term right there, defense of the gospel. Father, we, insofar as you call upon us to share in this task, we want to understand this. We want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and through your word now to defend your gospel the way Paul did. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I notice here is that Paul says, love for him from these folks who had such goodwill toward him drove them to preach Christ. Right? Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others preach Christ. That's these folks right here, the ones who have goodwill and love him. Others preach Christ. The latter, the ones with goodwill, they do it out of love, knowing. So this knowledge prompts them to do this. They, they do it out of love, knowing that I'm here for the defense of the gospel. So Knowing that Paul is in prison to defend the gospel motivates their love to cause them to preach, herald, that's herald, not defend, but proclaim Christ, not that they're totally separate. And I just want to draw attention to the fact that um, you love the defender of the gospel by proclaiming the gospel which says to them, they know Paul was a great proclaimer, not just a defender. And the fact that he's on trial and has to give his life now to defending the gospel doesn't mean that's what he prefers. He's thrilled that they are free and heralding the gospel. So don't ever pit preaching and heralding against, against defending. They are both crucial. Second thing I observe is this put here. Knowing that I am put here, the, the Greek word is, is lie. I lie here or I have been laid here. What's behind that? I'm, I'm laid here or I'm put here for this. I wonder if Paul doesn't remember because of what he had heard about the teachings of Jesus this word from Jesus, before all this, they will lay their hands on you, persecute you delivering, you, delivering you up to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my sake. This will be your opportunity for a witness. In other words, Jesus had predicted that th this imprisonment would happen. This is the sort of thing that he said is going to happen. Therefore, when it did happen to Paul, he wasn't 
blown away by it, surprised by it. He says, I'm put here for a reason, and I know what it is because Jesus taught me what it is. It's to defend the gospel. And the third thing I would take notice of is do a little word search and realize, oh, this word is used one other time in Philippians, way back here in chapter 1, verse 7. guess it's not so far back. I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. The fact that this word is used alongside this one probably suggests defense is the actual effort to show that the gospel is true and confirmation is your success. This word is used several times by Paul, establishing, confirming, succeeding in the defense means that someone has perceived it as firm. And so that's the goal of the defense, though it may not always succeed. And another thing comes to our mind when we ponder this, and that is human, human means are used by God to achieve divine ends. We all know that in order to believe the gospel, to believe it and be saved by it, a miracle has to happen, right? 2 Corinthians 4, 6, the God who uh, said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ, no matter how much defense we make, unless God does the miracle of opening the eyes of, of the blind like he did for, for Lydia, for example, in Acts 16, I think it's 14, if he doesn't open the eyes of the blind, all our defense is in vain. But don't let anybody ever say or convince you that because it's a miracle and that God has to open the eyes, therefore we don't need to defend. We don't need to preach. We don't need to use any human means. That is totally contrary to what the Bible teaches. So here he is defending the gospel before Caesar or Caesar's trial court. And one more thing we should observe, maybe, maybe two, and that is that the way Paul does it, if we just step back and think of Paul's whole life, let me just mention, mention four ways that he does this defense. One is by simply preaching it, that is clarifying People can't be persuaded of the gospel if they don't know what the gospel is. So an essential component of the defense is, in fact, the preaching, the clarifying, the explaining of, of what the gospel is, because the gospel has in it a, a self-authenticating power. It can, by being heard, convince people of its truth legitimately. Here's the second way he went about it. Namely, he, he spoke from experience. 
Read the first chapter of Galatians, Galatians 1. Paul considered his life inexplicable apart from the truth of the risen Christ and being commissioned to preach the gospel. We speak from our experience. Third, he argued from the Old Testament. Now, he may not have done that here in Rome. I don't know how much background his accusers had, but probably not much. But if you look at Acts, the speeches in Acts, especially as he goes to the synagogues, like Acts 17, he's arguing from the Old Testament that Jesus is the Christ. So uh, let's put with self-authentication, let's put experience, and we'll put um, Scripture, the coherence of Scripture, and then fourth. He uses eyewitnesses. Remember back in um, 1 Corinthians 15, he says that he appeared to 500 people after the resurrection from the dead, and many of them are still alive. So he's arguing from, from history and the controls that history provided. The people at that time in Corinth could have checked it out. So at least four of the ways he went about it were uh, clarifying because the scripture, I mean, the gospel is self-authenticating. He argued from his own experience. He argued from scripture. He argued from history, all of which are, are human means by which the miracle of belief might happen. And the last thing we need to remember is Peter tells us we too are called to give defenses of the gospel. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense. Same word as in Philippians. Be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. So, Reflect as you read the Bible on why you are a Christian. We, we, we're not very good Christians if we don't know why we're Christians. <laughs> and if we know why we're Christians, and that's a good foundation. First Peter talks about God causing us to be born again to a living hope prepared to give a reason for the hope. We're born again to hope. And he says we're born again through the resurrection. So there's, we're born again through the resurrection. And so we are called to join Paul in this defense. As we go through Philippians, dwell on the truth that this whole letter is probably part of what Paul would want us to know in order to make a defense for the gospel.